What you see is what you get. Hello, my name is Pastor Chris Miller, and I am your host on the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Hello and welcome to the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Uh, What are we at? Number 92 or 93? I should probably know that before I start this up. Anyway, we celebrated Mother's Day yesterday at our church. It was a good day. We had a great time. Um, Honored moms uh, during our service. I was... um, Sitting home last night, and we, Christine and I, we have a 30th wedding anniversary coming up in about a month's time. And I didn't have my glasses on. I picked up my phone and I had uh, Chat GPT open, and I typed into Chat GPT uh, something along the lines of, What is the traditional wedding gift for 30th anniversary? But I wasn't wearing my glasses, so I couldn't really see what I was typing. But so I zoomed in to look at the answer, and this is what Chat B- GPT told me. It said, I'm sorry, but I'm not aware of any traditional gift for a 30th annoying adversary. In fact, I'm not familiar with the concept of an annoying adversary being celebrated with gifts at all. Uh, obviously, spell check got me, but I thought that was kind of a funny answer, annoying adversary. I meant 30th wedding anniversary, but anyway... Don't see so great without my glasses on that little tiny screen. Why don't we get into our podcast for today? We're going to start with Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Like I said, this is uh, along the lines of Mother's Day because we celebrated Mother's Day yesterday. Uh, But it has a broader application than that as well. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 say, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brothers, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. I exhort you, Yudaya and Sintike, to be of the same mind in the Lord. I ask you also, true companion, help those women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with my other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Well, Today, I hope to leave you with something you can do to encourage the important women in your life. Um, Like I say, we just celebrated Mother's Day yesterday. This podcast may seem a little strange uh, for a podcast related to Mother's Day as we talk about some of these things, but bear with me. We're going to circle back around to that more a little bit later. In our current social climate, and I know these things are such hot button issues, but no doubt you've noticed the cultural turmoil surrounding pronouns and gender and the roles of men and women. And all that's been going on for several years now, probably um, well out in the forefront for probably five or six years now. And some of the stuff I'm going to mention is my view, my personal take on some of these things. So please take it as such. It's not necessarily gospel truth. It's just some things that um, I have opinions on. Some of it is biblical truth, but uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into it. Um, Just getting my podcast notes set up here. Just bear with me for a second. Where do we go? There we are. Awesome. Well, as we talk about these kinds of things and what's happening in pop culture right now in regards to gender and gender roles and LGBTQ and um, 
just the roles of men and women in culture. I think each generation, as it comes up, seeks to define itself in the world and the gender issues that we see here that are very trendy, very edgy, very hot button topics at the moment are part of that. It's a generation of people seeking to differentiate themselves from everyone else in the world. And one thing that comes along with that, that if, you know, these things, if you're someone who is is bothered by these things is that I think in 10 years or so, um, all of this stuff isn't going to be near so popular. And you'll find that people won't be uh, willing to admit that they supported many of the things we see happening in culture today. And that's, again, that's something that happens with most generations. A lot of us, as we get older, don't support the same things we did growing up as young people. But along with that, as to what's going on in culture in the moment, I think there's always something more going on than what we see on the surface, especially as a Christian, as a believer. Um, there's always an issue behind the issue. And once you get behind the issue that's behind the issue, that's when you begin to get into the spiritual part of what's going on and the spiritual part of who we are. I know when I counsel with people, it often takes some time to peel back the layers and work into and figure out what the real issue is. And when it comes to social issues of the day, LGTBQ, transgenderism, pronouns, all of these different things, all the hot button social issues that we see um, in social media, news, things like that, there is more to that than meets the eye. There's obviously a spiritual side to it as there is with most things. And as we think about these things and talk about these things for just a little bit, uh, I would ask you to please remember what we've talked about over the past few episodes in regards to spiritual warfare. As Paul says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual wickedness. And the thing to remember about that is people are not the enemy. Um, Sometimes they may be used by the enemy. They may look like or act like an enemy, but people are not the enemy. Now, there are a few areas in particular in society and culture where I believe the enemy is attempting to build strongholds against the knowledge of God. And if you remember from before, a stronghold is a defensive position. It's what uh, Satan attempts to set up to keep people from the knowledge of God. And one of the places that he attempts to do that is by dismantling the core family unit. Uh, the core family unit of a man, an adult human male, uh, married to a woman, an adult human female, who join with God in a marriage covenant and remain faithful to one another until death. And notice I say covenant, not a contract. I know that culture, society often treats marriage like a contract, but there's a difference between a contract and a covenant. In a contract, if one party uh, breaks the contract, breaks the agreement, then the other party is no longer obligated to hold up their end of the contract, to keep their end of the deal. But in a covenant, both parties maintain their part of the covenant, regardless of what the other party does, even if uh, one person you know, reneges on their part of it. In a covenant, the other party involved still holds up their end of the deal. So a man and a woman enter into a marriage covenant together. 
then they have children and become a mother and a father. And that core family unit is by far the best environment for children to be raised in, a stable home with a mother and a father. There's no debating that. That's a longstanding proven fact. Any social worker who knows anything is going to uh, tell you the same thing. Now, the core family unit in many places, a lot of different parts of society, has been dismantled in many ways. Um, Kids are kind of passed around between parents. You know, uh, people are not married. They're just kind of these loose family units. And the thing to understand about that is that's also the case among Christians. The statistics are pretty much the same with secular people and Christians, which is unfortunate. Now, I don't say that though, to pass judgment or put anyone down or pick on anyone. I don't think it's fruitful to do that. I just don't do that kind of thing. But the reality is, is that mom, dad, staying married, raising the kids as a team is the best possible option for a family. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be the norm. Um, People just, they don't take that covenant as seriously as they once did, which is unfortunate. I have performed, I don't know, 40, 50 weddings, something like that um, over the years. And out of all of those weddings, I think maybe two or three of those people weren't already living together, didn't already have kids, didn't, you know, weren't already acting in that capacity. And so you just can see in that, that there's just not the respect that there once was for the marriage covenant. And that's been going on for a while now. It's not that new. Now, part of the reason for that, I suppose, dismantling of the family unit is to also discount the differences between men and women, the gender differences, to ignore that men and women both have strengths that complement the weaknesses of the other gender. And we've talked many times in the past about how the core family unit is the bedrock upon which civilized society is built. One of the things that a strong family unit requires, and there is no compromising on this, this is a must-have for a strong family unit, a strong family requires a husband and a wife who work together as a team. And we're going to peel back the layers here and start looking at the issue behind the issue. In any team, including a husband and wife, there is a team leader. Any team, anywhere, there's a team leader. That's just the reality. And the biblical perspective on that in uh, a marriage uh, between a husband in a wife is that the husband is to be the team leader. Now, if that is something that bothers you, that thought makes you feel awkward, that's likely because either you don't understand what it means or you have been influenced more by secular culture than you have biblical truth. That's something to think about. The Bible tells us that a husband is to love his wife like Christ loved the church and and gave himself for it. And that is what biblical leadership for a husband looks like. That's an ongoing sacrifice of giving up your life for your wife, giving up your life for your family. That's what being a leader for your family looks like, an ongoing sacrifice of yourself for the sake of your wife and family. 
And also along with that, the wife is supposed to respect her husband and give way to his leadership. Now, if both genders are playing their role in marriage in obedience to Christ, that works very well. Of course, we don't always do that. And pride gets in the way and and makes things far more difficult, far more complicated than they really need to be. And there are all kinds of things we could say about that. You know, there's a series of sermons about that on its own, and maybe we'll get into that, you know, down the track. But secular culture has this ongoing trend to attempt to stamp out those differences between men and women. And again, okay, people are not the enemy. Let's keep that in mind. It's spiritual wickedness that wants to do that. Now, why would the enemy, why would Satan want to dismantle the family unit? Well, the reason for that is, is because the family is the foundation for the great majority of Christian and moral teaching. Um, I've That's where belief is learned and taught. Okay, it's not at church. Um, strong churches are built on strong families, not the other way around. I've you know had the opportunity to baptize some young people who have come to know Jesus, been saved, and pretty much all of them, that has happened at home because their parents talk about Jesus with them. They talk about Christian things at home. So a church is built on strong families, not the other way around. And if Satan can dismantle a family, uh, he can weaken a church and he can build a stronghold against the knowledge of God. And again, I think there's another layer beyond that. Satan has been pretty successful at dismantling the family unit, um, leading people to believe that it doesn't really matter, that it's unimportant, that gender differences are, you know, not anything that really matter. And maybe you see it too, but I think woven in amongst all of those things, all the chaos, division, social issues of our day is a sinister plot to not only dismantle families, but also to devalue both men and women, to devalue the differences in gender, to devalue the roles of men and women. And even beyond that is a deeper plot to lead men and women to believe that we are enemies with each other. And that's just dumb. An underlying scheme of the devil in today's culture is to lead men and women to believe they're enemies. From the young married couple to the family unit to the church to civilized society requires that men and women work together as a team. If they don't, none of those things are going to function. And working together as a team, honoring one another and allowing the other gender to exercise the strengths of that gender. Men and women working together in a team and serving God together, it strengthens marriages, strengthens families, strengthens churches, strengthens society, and ultimately glorifies God. When we fulfill those God-given roles, it's God's truth in action. And we see it happening in real time. 
And that's in a marriage, of course, where, you know, we're talking about marriage between a man and a woman and respecting and honoring and following leadership and all these things. And that does happen in a marriage, of course, but it's also about all men and women honoring and supporting each other in general. When we look at the verse we read, um, Paul writes this. He says, I exhort you, Dia and Sintike, to be of the same mind in the Lord. I ask you also, true companion, help those women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with my other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. There were women who labored together with Paul. God used them to make Paul's ministry what we know it as today. Now, granted, you know, Paul gets the lion's share of the credit, obviously, but Paul in this passage is saying, hey, you know, I'm thankful for these women. Let's honor and recognize the fact that Paul didn't do it alone. He had help and he had a lot of help from women. I've talked about my own wife in the past and the mother of our children. And the support she gives me is, you know, it's it's invaluable. It's irreplaceable. She's just as much a part of my ministry as I am. Um, and I honor her and I recognize that. And, you know, I read from Philippians chapter four for the sake of brevity, but there are many women throughout scripture and mothers throughout scripture who worked in irreplaceable roles. We read about Phoebe in the book of Romans. She had a lot to do with Paul's ministry. It's, it, seems likely that she may have very well carried the uh, the the letter that we know as the book of Romans to the Romans. Um, you know, we don't know a lot about Phoebe, but we do know that she won't be forgotten. She's in the Bible. Um, there's Chloe, um, Aphia, there's Eudias uh, and Tiki that we talked about. There's Jania. There's all kinds of women in the scripture who did very important things. And we've been talking about spiritual warfare in how um, oh, the past few podcasts and we, you know, how we deal with significant problems in our society by sorting ourselves out first. And as we think about these bigger problems in society and we look at them and we wonder what to do about them, the first thing we need to do is look to ourselves in our own heart and our mind because that's where the battle for spiritual warfare takes place. That's where the front lines are drawn. We need to think about our own understanding of the strengths and weaknesses of men and women, what the Bible says about it, the dynamics of marriage and you know that, that male leadership um, in the Bible, guys, this, this could be a whole series on itself, but it applies in the core family unit and it applies in church leadership. Uh, it's not a, a general across the board thing. Um, but when we think about our understanding of these things and what the Bible says about it, and we then we honor those things. We model that in ourselves. And when we do so, we honor God. There are found foundational and biblical differences in the roles of men and women. We're created differently. The secular world and even some Christian groups um, want to do away with those things. There are some Christian groups that do that. They want to minimize the gender, you know, go off down the road of the, the pop cultural trend at the moment. 
And they want to do with those things, do away with the gender roles. They want to pretend they're unimportant. They want to leave them behind. And one thing about that that I have noticed, if a Christian church or group has gone down the track of a false gospel, like the prosperity gospel or the social gospel or the social justice gospel, from everything I've seen, before they went down the track of a false gospel, they left behind the biblical roles of men and women first across the board. God intends that we work together as a team, men and women. And we have strengths that complement the other's weaknesses. And when we work together as a team, when we do that, we glorify God. Now, how do we go about doing that? Well, we, one thing we don't do is, is tear people down. Uh, we don't fix things. We don't make things better by tearing people down. We don't make things better by tearing down institutions. That's what evil does. Evil dismantles the family unit. Evil devalues gender roles. Evil uh, tears things down. The Bible refers to Satan as a destroyer, whereas good creates Good builds up, good honors it, honors, good encourages others in their role, uh, good attributes value to others. And as we, you know, celebrated Mother's Day, that's that's what we talked about. That's what we do on Mother's Day. We attribute value and honor to those who fill that specific gender specific role of the mothers. And we honor that. And there's a way we do that. We did an interview with our ladies um, before service to just get to know a little more about them, understand their roles a little better. We had uh, one lady who was a mother of very young children. She has an eight-month-old baby um, and three other kids. And we had a mother of very adult kids who has grandkids. She's more in a grandmother role now. And then we also had my wife up there who has a couple of uh, young adult kids. And we ask all three of them, you know, what can the people around you do to make you feel loved and supported? What can we do to make you feel loved and supported? Um, One of them was pray for us. Uh, Another one said uh, a smile and a kind word goes a long way. I think a lot of young moms, especially, are very self-conscious and they're constantly, you know, concerned about doing a good job and, and worried about that. And a kind word and a smile can really go a long way to helping them feel loved and supported. And, you know, once we heard these things, I said, okay, now let's do that. That's how you encourage them. Um, Honor, encourage, and build up the women in your life. It's easy to criticize people. It's easy to tear things down. And that's pretty trendy at the moment. But it's not that difficult to build others up either. We just have to get around our pride to do it is the thing. So if there's a, a, a special woman in your life, if there's a mother in your life, and you know I know everybody's in a different place and different scenarios and situations, but there's, there's probably an important woman in your life. And, and go to her and ask her, what can I do to make you feel loved and supported? And when you do that, it builds them up it strengthens family, it strengthens churches, it strengthens society, 
and ultimately, it glorifies God. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please consider subscribing and sharing this with someone who might find it helpful. 